welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Sarah. And I'm Melanie. We're a pair of besties who enjoy telling each other about nonsense, silly things, and um, I mean, I don't know. We like to talk about vampires. You're you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, a very special episode because we have best friend of the podcast, Melanie, Yay! here from Massachusetts. So we're going to go ahead and add in... That Neil Diamond. Beautiful. Love it. Gotta love it. <laughs> All right. So, Sarah, as you know, I'm a librarian. I have heard that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you've been to my library once or twice. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, too. And I'm a children's librarian. I think you knew that as well. I did, yeah. Um, have you ever heard the name Charles Ludwig Ludwig Dodgson? Is it Ludwig Ludwig? Like, is it double no, Ludwig? No, I just don't know how to pronounce I mean, words. Either way, no, but I kind of wish it was Ludwig Ludwig. I'm just All kidding. right. Okay. What about Alice Little? No. Does that, it doesn't ring a bell? I got nothing. Okay. So I'm going to, I don't know if I should tell you right away. <laughs> Ooh. Or start. Let me, I'll start, I'll tell you about Charles. Okay. Dodgson first. Let's him, let's him. All right. <laughs> so, Charles was born in 1832, and he had a stutter as a child, so he was kind of bullied. Oh, yeah. Yep. He was the first son and the third child of 11 children. No, thank you. Mind-blowing. No, thank you. It's blowing um, a few things, I feel like, if you have 11 kids. <laughs> I know, right? Mm. So he had, when he was um, younger, he had the mumps and he went deaf in one ear. Oh, God. He played rugby and he went to Christ Church College. And when I mentioned Christ Church in the future, because this confused me, um, obviously it is a religious college. Makes sense. But I believe it's also, there's a church aspect as well. Okay. Um, one of the agreements, like if you go there, is that you're supposed to agree to become a preacher. Oh, and yes. Great. <laughs> and Charles decided he would not become a preacher because he thought it was contradictory. Um, he was a mathematician. Uh, and see. he taught a lot of math. And obviously. And he thought it would contradict, you know, preaching as well. Right. So he had earned a Christchurch mathematics lec- lectureship. Okay. And he stayed there um, for 26 years until he died. I guess he liked it. Of pneumonia. Oh, yikes. That's a bad way to go. Yeah. Okay. So Charles did not enjoy being an adult. And he could often be found. I mean, who does? (laughs) That's really really relatable. But he could often be found around children. He would be telling them fantastical stories to satisfy their curiosity. Okay. Um, He was also a photographer. And he became the best children's photographer of the 19th century, or known as the best children's photographer. So he met the Little family when he was photographing the cathedral at Christ Church in 1856. Henry Little was the dean of the school. And Henry had, I want to say it was six kids. I'll get to that. But anyways, yeah, he had a lot of kids. Mm. And... Charles became closest with the oldest son, whose name was Henry, and also the three oldest girls, Lorena, Edith, and Alice, and he would take them out on rowing trips. Okay. With 
He did not take them, I want to say, unsupervised. There was another adult there okay. on the trips. Right. Um, but yeah, that's what they like to do. So he would take them out on trips and he would tell them stories. That's fun. Yes. Could be. We'll see. Well, all right. <laughs> as long as I don't have to do the rowing, I feel like I'm up for it. Um, a lot of the information in here was actually, it's a lot of it is there's no real evidence to back this up. And people assumed this and biographers assumed this. Yeah. So you'll probably hear me say, like, my next sentence is, it is widely assumed. Right. right. It is widely assumed that on one trip, Charles Dodgson told a story with a main character named Alice. And she loved it. Alice loved Mm -hmm. it so much that she asked him to write it down for her. Ooh. So he spent six months writing down this story that he called Alice's Adventures Underground. I just got chills. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you can see it from over there. Oh, man. Now I'm getting chills. Oh, yeah. So good. So it was an 18,000 word novella that he illustrated himself. Wow. But these are not the illustrations, like the famous illustrations that you know from Alice in Wonderland. Gotcha. Um. So the illustrations in what became Alice in Wonderland were by John Tensile. Okay. So just throwing that in there. Great. And I'm going to say there's no hard evidence to suggest <laughs> that the story was inspired by these interactions mm-hmm. <laughs> with the Liddell family. Little, I think it's Little family, but I want to say Liddell because it's, it's spelled L-I-D-D-E-L-L. Huh. I will. You'll see why I think it's Little okay. in a little while. Um, okay, so he denied that the character was based on Alice. And he said that he'd had this character in his mind for years. And maybe sure. it's possible that he used this character in the story because it was convenient. Uh, many people, because I, like I said, he was a photographer and mm-hmm. he photographed the little family. Many people have said that Alice was his favorite subject. And there's no evidence to suggest this. <laughs> Great. So, <laughs> okay, so Dodgson had um, this novella that he sent to his author friend named George McDonald, and George suggested that the manuscript was too short for publication. Mm-hmm. So Dodgson revised it to twice the length, thirty-six thousand words. Okay, we're getting there. Yes. So his name, you know, is Charles Dodson, but you would know him better as Lewis Carroll. Mm-hmm. It's believed that he got that name, that pen name, by translating his name into Latin to Carolus Ludovicius. Oh, I love that. And then translate it back to English as Carol Lewis and flip the names and land it on Lewis Carroll. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. It's it's cool when you can like translate something and translate it back and it's something different. I, I, I don't remember cool like right. the early 2000s. Do you remember Babblefish? Yes. And like trying to cheat on my Spanish oh my homework God. by using like Babblefish. And it was like, this is nonsense garbage. What is this? When I was in my fourth year of Spanish, um, I wrote an entire paper on like Microsoft Word and put it into Babblefish <laughs> and printed it out. <laughs> I was that done Great. with um, Spanish. And surprisingly, I didn't fail the paper. There were a lot of corrections. I'm I probably sure. got like a C, but. Hey, that's impressive. I I didn't think Babblefish would do that good of a job. Right. Okay. So he also kept a diary 
So the first day that he met Alice, he wrote in his diary, I shall mark this day with a white stone. And that's a comment he used to mark special occasions. Oh, okay. So I know that he said he denied that Alice was inspired by Alice, Mm. but there's a few direct links to Alice Little that I guess could be coincidence, but Alice, the character's birthday. Oh, both books. I'm sorry. Both books. Alice in Wonderland and um, through Alice Through the Looking Glass mm-hmm. are set on these two specific dates, May 4th and November 4th, which are Alice's birth date and half birth date. Right. So, I mean, come on. Interesting. Um, they were also dedicated to her, Alice Pleasance Little. Um, and the Dormouse begins the story with Once Upon a Time, there were three little sisters and their names were Elsie, Lacey, and Tilly. Actually, it wasn't the story. It was one of the Dormouse Mm -hmm. stories. But anyways, so the name Little was pronounced as Little. And so that would be three little sisters. Oh. So Elsie refers to Lorena, whose middle name was Charlotte, making her initials LC. Oh, I get it. I was like, I don't know how you get Elsie from Charlotte. I know. I know. I felt the same same way. (laughs) And then Edith had a nickname Matilda, which I don't get that either. But um, it was the shortened name for Matilda can be Tilly. So that was the third name. So weird. Yes. And also there's a poem at the end of Through the Looking Glass. And the poem doesn't have a title, but it's commonly referred to as like the first line in it, which is a boat beneath a sunny sky. And if you read the poem down vertically the first letter of each line spells out alice little weird it might spell out alice um pleasance little wow i I missed that in my taking notes so he might be a little obsessed he might be that's kind of odd like i'm marking this day with a white stone i know got a birthday in there i've got like this like very easy to crack code in my poem right like Okay. okay, a little weird. All right. So in his diaries from April 18th to May 8th. Oh, okay. April 18th, 1858 to May 8th, 1862. They're just missing. The pages are missing. Oh. And the relationship between the Littles and Dodgson suffered a sudden break in June 1863. Huh. So there's no record of why, of course. They never spoke of it. Okay, great. <laughs> and it says yeah. in the, the single page recorded in his diary, June 27th through 29th of 1863. So I'll get back to that. But that okay. is kind of suspicious, right? Yeah, that, that makes me uncomfy. Yeah. So when I started out doing this research, I really just wanted to talk about Alice. But the more research I did, the more I realized there's not a lot to say about her. So I'm going to tell oh. you some about her, but it's not... As interesting as, like, all of these pieces put together. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So, Alice is born May 4th, 1950... Definitely not. 1852. (laughs) (laughs) And she's here today, ladies and gentlemen. Only 70 years old. Alice, welcome. Oh, my God. Your math is amazing. That was so quick. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Her parents were Henry Little and Lorena Reeve. She had two older brothers, Harry and Arthur, an older sister, Lorena, and six younger siblings. Edith um, is the only one listed there as 
And, and Frederick. They, they probably stopped brother. naming them at I a know, certain point. Right. They're like, I can't do 11 names. They just all like, had the same name. Just point at them and say, hey, you. Yeah. I, think, I feel like that I would mean, work. My, uh, we found out that my grandfather, um, all of his siblings had the same first name, Joseph, which I guess was common huh. in like Catholic families. So they all went by their middle names. There's also like Middle Eastern cultures where it's normal for like the father's name to find its way into all of the children's names. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So she was an acquaintance of Charles Dodgson's and a subject of his photography. Mm -hmm. And when she was a little bit older, she set out on a grand tour of Europe with her sisters, Lorena and Edith. Fun. There's a rumor that she was a romantic interest of Prince Leopold. Ooh. Elegant. Yes, because he spent four years at Christ Church. So... Um, but you know, there's no evidence of it. So (laughs) it's just rumors. And, you know, and years later when he had a child, his first child was named Alice. Huh. And it is possible that Alice was named because he also had a deceased sister named Alice. So, okay. I mean, I think that makes more sense. That's fair. Um, and then a recent biographer suggested that it was actually probably Edith that, um, Leopold was interested in okay okay so in 1888 Alice got married to Reginald Hargreaves who was a cricket cricketer cricketer he played cricket sure yeah Yeah, I have no idea (laughs) and she was 28 at this time they got married in Westminster Abbey they had three sons Alan Hargreaves, his middle name is like K-N-Y-V-E-T-O-N. So like which letters are actually pronounced, I'm not sure. So we'll just say Alan. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. And then there was Leopold Reginald Rex Hargreaves. Oh, I love the name Rex. Rex is cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, they were both killed in action in World War One. Jiminy Jones. Okay. And then she had a third son named Carol. Um, spelled C-A-R-Y-L. Huh. Carol Little Hargreaves. And he survived and had a daughter of his own. And, uh, of course, Alice denies the name that Carol was associated in any way with Lewis Carroll. There's a lot of denial in this whole story. Yeah. It's very interesting. hmm But what are you going to do? <laughs> the fact that everybody's like, no, absolutely not. No way. Really makes me feel like something fishy's going on. I know, right. Exactly. Like, really Come something on. you're not wanting anybody to hear about. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So Reginald Hargreaves had uh, um, inherited a lot of money. He was a local magistrate. He played cricket. And Alice became a society, noted society hostess. And she was the first president of Emory Down Women's Institute, which is basically just a community for women. And it was in the UK, um, New Zealand and Australia. Interesting. So, yeah. So what you're telling me is Alice hosted a lot of tea parties. I I believe she did. That's amazing. Yes, absolutely. I'm very happy about that. (laughs) Um, you're going to love this, but she referred to herself as Lady Hargreaves, but there was no basis for that title. That's just <laughs> what she referred to herself. I do love that. You're yes, right. Yes. Although I am genuinely a baroness and I feel like I don't get enough respect for it. Well, I think you need to use that title out loud a lot more I often. I need to be, I need to like 
talk to HR at work. I think, Absolutely. Do you like want me my, to talk to them for you? Yeah. Like okay. get my business cards updated and yeah, stuff. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. So her husband died in 1960. Nope. 1926. Okay. And she sold the original manuscript, Alice's Adventure in uh, Underground. I typed Alice's Adventure Underland. <laughs> so, you know. so close wonderland 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 so she sold the original manuscript to pay for the cost of her house and can cont- continue leaving one source said it was to pay for his debts but i only saw that in one source right so i don't know imagine how much money you could get for that today well, like literally alice's copy seriously of like, <laughs> the first draft right so in 1926, it sold for 15,400 pounds. Mm. Do you want to guess how much that would be worth uh, roughly in dollars today? I know that's, you can't really guess that. But I know it's like a, like the conversion rate is um, 1.25 right now from pounds <laughs> to dollars. So I've looked Do that up a lot recently, but um, I mean, I'm sure it's in the hundreds of thousands, if not over a million. Very close, $967,000 in U.S. dollars today. Yay. And it is in the British Library. Great. Which is um, the National Library of the U.K., so we need to go there. I'm, I'm obviously. totally down with that, yes. yeah, for okay. sure. So she died in 1934, and she was cremated, and her ashes were buried in the graveyard of the church at St. Michael's and All Angels. I find it really strange when somebody buries cremains especially like back in the 30s right because both my grandparents were buried together in like the same plot Mm -hmm. but they're you know they were cremated but they're buried together i just found that like why are we cremating instead of you know what i mean it's like it's that tradition i guess interesting um so there's a memorial plaque in her name as Mrs. Reginald Hargreaves, and you can see a picture in the monograph. And Alice's mirror can be found on display at the New Forest Heritage Center in Lyndhurst, which is a free museum that talks about the history of the New Forest National Park. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So I'm going to do like a total change in subject now. Great. I'm um, so excited. <laughs> Get out of here, back Alice. Back to the book, Alice's mm-hmm. Adventures in Wonderland. If I told you that this book may have actually been about math, how would you feel about that? <laughs> I'd be very excited. <laughs> I love math. <laughs> awesome. So great news for me today. It is believed that when um, Lewis Carroll, I'm going to just refer to him it's as Lewis Carroll. Easier now. that way. Yeah. yeah. When he went back to make the manuscript longer, he added a bunch of math stuff into it. Amazing. So there was this new kind of math in um, the 19th century, and he was not happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of it had to do, from what I understand, with algebra. Mm -hmm. Algebra existed before, but in the 19th century, and I don't see his name here, but there was a man who discovered a new way, essentially, for algebra, and that was when letters were introduced. Oh, so that's the villain. Right. Great. That's the villain. Appreciate you, bud. So to Lewis Carroll, numbers were, algebra was all about numbers, right? right. So he did a lot of um, 
just kind of satire that you wouldn't pick up on <laughs> unless you knew what he was referring to, I guess, in Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. So why is a raving like a writing desk? That was Lewis Carroll's way to explain that the new mathematics didn't make sense to him at all. Oh, so that's why there's not like a definitive answer yes, to that riddle. Right. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? I love that. So his point was like a lot of these, um, if you had common sense that you, like these people would say there are new, this new math is really just the same. Mm-hmm. It's just using different terminology and different ways to get to the same answer. Like common core math. Like I was going to say that. that. Exactly. Yeah. But I think he just found, like, why if it's not broke, don't mm-hmm. fix it, right? Right. Okay. So let's get to the tea party. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought of a really good joke. Go for it. If X isn't broke, Y fix it? <laughs> Algebra <laughs> jokes. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Clay's very unimpressed with us. He right is now. so so Clay is here, by the way. Yeah. Um, as our producer, and he looks so disgusted with me right now. It's truly a beautiful sight to behold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I lost my spot. Okay. So the tea party that Alice comes across in Alice in Wonderland, there's the Mad Hatter, the March Hare, and the Dormouse at the tea party. Mm-hmm. And it's suggested that Lewis Carroll deliberately left out one character. So this is where it gets really confusing. So I'm going to simplify it really a lot. But this one guy named William Hamilton said that time has to be part of these mathematic equations. Okay. In some way, this new arithmetic called quaternions, something like that. You made that up. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it was to deal with understanding rotations, but oh, so I guess like rotations. So if you remember in Alice, they're going around the table at yes. one point. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was trying, basically Hamilton was trying to understand arithmetic and physical terms. Mm-hmm. So the four terms that he said that were involved, um, where did they go? Well, one of the terms is time and time is absent from this chapter. So he said, if you take time out of these rotations, then the numbers would just keep going around in a circle. They won't go anywhere, just like the characters rotating around and around the tea party and around and around the table. Okay. And then Hatter and the Hare tried to squeeze the tea mouse, tea mouse, dormouse (laughs) into the teapot. And they're trying to get away from this complexity, is what Carol's saying. Oh. And throw away the parameters. Mm -hmm. And so they can resume life as normal. And then they'll go back to the old familiar geometry that they've had since Eleucid? Euclid? Euclid. Euclid, thank you, for 2,000 years. That must be a math guy. Euclid, yeah. I thought so. So those were some examples of how math is in Alice in Wonderland, but... That's really strange. Yes. Well, that's like in Wizard of Oz, how like if you know a lot about the politics of 1890, it's very clearly a political satire. I know nothing about the politics of 1890. Here's the thing. It's not interesting. So (laughs) (laughs) okay, I'd rather just, you know, take it for what it is. But apparently it was a laugh riot back at the time. Okay. So let's get back to Lewis Carroll for a minute. Great. Okay. So it 
I meant to say this at the beginning, but there I have a content warning for potential suspected child grooming and pedophilia. Yeah. So there's no hard evidence. Oh, is there not? Is there not? No hard evidence that confirms this, but it was mm-hmm. commonly believed that he was grooming Alice. Well, if we had those three missing years from the diary, uh, know, there might be right? hard evidence. So there are biographies and websites online that suggest that actually Lewis Carroll. So there are a lot of biographies that suggest, I know I'm repeating myself, but that he was a groomer and a pedophile. Mm -hmm. But there are newer biographies and websites online that suggest that the early biographers took everything they learned about him at face value and didn't look into anything deeper. Right. And that's where they came up with these things about him being a child groomer and a pedophile um and it's believed that it's he, he possibly they possibly intentionally or was trying to make him sound like a pedophile great yeah. that's fine yes. that's you know what right? you know no big deal that's not terrible right so there's a newer biography called um actually i forget the name of it in the shadow of the dream which i got some of my research from by sarah leach and she coined this term the carol myth which makes sense because it's a myth about lewis carroll yep um, it's all right there <laughs> does exactly what it says on exactly. the exactly it refers to his image that his that the biographers created of a pedophilic shy and socially awkward man mm. it's a lot of rumors that he died a virgin and all this other stuff but there's no hard evidence to even suggest that i mean why would there be right. also who cares right. that is who cares? such a weird thing to yes. care about yes um his first biographer Stuart collingwood suppressed the evidence for his numerous friendships with women mm. and kind of pointed to um the fact that he was friends with just a lot of children and maybe women but not men which is not true. Right. They didn't look into this evidence to see. Why would you? Right. Um, so I'm not here to say that he was a child groomer or a pedophile or that he wasn't because, you know, we really don't know. Mm-hmm. But I have some examples of why um, and the reasoning that these are misunderstandings. Okay, great. Why? I would love yes. to hear that. Yes. So he was a well-known child photographer, like mm-hmm. I mentioned before, and he often photographed children nude or in strangely suggested ways. Great. However, so did most amateur photographers of this day, professional ones. Now, what the hell? They were considered innocent in mainstream images, and they were often on family Christmas cards and holiday postcards. Oh, my God. Yep. They were considered a symbol of innocence. Oh, my God. Isn't that, like, wild I to even imagine? What the hell? It, it makes me think of, like, the Cupids, like, and all of those yeah. on, like, the ceilings and theaters and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but an equivalent now would be, like, cards with puppies or cute kittens on them. Which I feel like disagree. Well, I right. I I know what you mean. Right. I people were not more innocent back then than they are now. Like that's a really common misconception. Because they didn't talk about it. Exactly. There was no internet, so we didn't know that everybody was a sicko. Right. That doesn't mean they weren't sickos. (laughs) There's no hard evidence that they weren't sickos. A hundred percent. You're right. (laughs) So 
just gonna put that out there that is weird i don't care what year it is y'all are nasty um but when he did photograph nude children it was it suggested that he was being commercial fashionable and artistic according to the lights of his time right it was like borderline trendy to do this right it's not like he came up with right. it gotcha. and also that's like the biographers never looked into this context mm-hmm. so when they saw these new photographs they said you know there's something creepy about this understand a lot of history is context but like if you're a biographer you that's, should really be that's part of your responsibility yeah um okay so he um lewis carroll often talked about his many child friends mm-hmm. which of course biographers i mean that sounded really creepy but his child friends were like any friends that were under 40 <laughs> so i really respect that yeah you're my child friend yeah yeah child friends yeah had a child so... friend play date yesterday like that was great <laughs> We totally did. It was great. Um, so Carolyn Leach, who wrote the newer biography, suggests that the early biographers just took that term and, again, did mm-hmm. no research. They assumed he was talking about children under 18. Yes. Cool. I know. So some biographers, early biographers, suggested that maybe he wanted to marry Alice when she was 11 years old. Mm. And that was the reason that there was a family break in 1863. Gotcha. Yeah. But there's other, and there's like a biographer that suggests that her parents, Alice's parents expected a better match for her. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. He just um, takes weird nudes all day. Like, right. I can see that. Right. Well, that's this is another place where context is important because we're talking about the 1800s. Like, an 11-year-old child bride is absolutely horrifying and unimaginable. Right. But at that time, like, 14-year-old girls, like, if you have your period, you're old enough to get married. Like, even right. though that's disgusting and horrible, that doesn't mean it wasn't normal at the time. Right. And that's actually my next point. It was kind of common in Victorian England. There was a man, John Ruskin, who fell in love with a 12-year-old girl. And Dodgson's younger brother, Lewis Carroll's younger brother, sought out to marry a 14-year-old. But he postponed the wedding for six years. Great. So he fell in love with her, but waited until she was 20. I respect him. Yeah, I do. All right. So do you remember those missing pages in the diary? Oh, yeah. I haven't stopped thinking about them, actually. Uh, Me either. So in 1996, Carolyn Leach found what uh, what became known as the cut pages in the diary, which was a note that was supposedly written by Lewis Carroll's niece, Violet Dodgson, summarizing the miss- missing pages from June 27th through 29th of 1863. How does she know what they said? So... That's a good question. I'm not sure. It <laughs> okay. suggested that those pages were like torn out to um, not hurt the family's reputation. Mm. Okay. Lewis Carroll. This is what the note says. Lewis Carroll learns from Mrs. Little that he's supposed to be using the children as a means of paying court to the governess. He's also supposed by some to be courting Ina, which is uh, or Ina, Lorena, the um, oh, older mm-hmm. sister. So it's also suggested that Lorena was becoming too attached to him oh, and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And that may have also been what was in the notes or why the note, the diary entries were 
basically censored. Because he's writing about how cuckoo she is and how it's yeah, weird. Right. Okay. And he, they were ripped out so they didn't offend or humiliate the family. Okay. So after all this happened, about six months later, um, Lewis Carroll returned to the home for visits in 1863. But their former closeness was just obviously not the same as it was before. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. And it's also suggested that it could possibly be because he was in opposition to Dean Little over college politics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but what those politics were. So he's just like slandering this family left, right, and center in his diary. And then Mm -hmm. like three years later, he's like, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of this. Yeah. This is awkward. Now that we're speaking again, um, I don't want to seem like a dick. Right. Essentially. Fair enough. Um, so that is almost everything. There was one kind of fact that I skipped over earlier, but it's rumored that Lewis Carroll had likened himself to the Dodo and Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) Which is a flightless bird that is now extinct. But in chapters, it's in chapters two and three of mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland. And supposedly he picked this bird because of his stutter. Aww. And he would introduce himself as da 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is everything that I learned about Charles Dodson and Alice Liddell little in her family and about how I can't pronounce those names continuously. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I thought so. I thought you would enjoy. I did. I loved it. Yay. Well, hopefully you guys loved it too. I loved hearing so. from Melanie. It's like way better than having to listen to us all the time. I'm sure. <laughs> nice to get a break from me and Clay every now and then. Probably. I mean, probably not. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> either way, please check out our instagram we'll have some pictures of alice mm-hmm. maybe some pictures of lewis carroll uh we'll see how it goes we'll see what what we get um we are at fantastic h pod on instagram we also have a threads that we're not really using and guys we now have a tiktok on tiktok just look up fantastic history podcast and you'll see, I mean, we already have two posts up there that are doing some numbers. So we'll we'll get some more up there. We've also been kind of cross-posting those to our Instagram stories. If you're like decrepit and old like me and you don't really understand TikTok, like you can still see those on Instagram. If you have any long form comments for us, uh, fantastichistorypod at gmail.com. And, you know, while you're here, go ahead and leave us a, a like. Give us a five stars, a little review. Always goes a long way. Until next time. Bye. Bye.